every follower of Jesus fights sin, right? That shouldn't be news to you. Because every day we're tempted to desire wrong things, feel wrong things, do wrong things, not do right things, right? Every day. And so every day we need to be fighting sin. But the question is, how do you do that? How do we fight sin? Now, we might think it's obvious. I mean, just stop. Just stop sinning. Get more committed. Get more serious about this and just stop sinning. You might think that's what the answer is. But if you've tried that, you know it just does not work. I mean, you can change some of your outer stuff once in a while, but your heart? Mm -mm. You can't grit your teeth hard enough to change your heart. It just doesn't work. Jim Elliott was a missionary to the Alka Indians in South America. Many of you have heard of him. In taking the gospel to the Alka Indians, he lost his life. They killed him, although the tribe ended up coming to faith later. Amazing story. But listen to what Jim Elliott wrote in his journal before he went to South America. Here's what he wrote. Very honest confession. How vile and base my thoughts have been lately. Not just unkind or unsympathetic, but rotten, lewd thinking that cannot be overcome simply by willing to be rid of them. He discovered what we all need to figure out. Sins cannot be overcome simply by willing to be rid of them. So, how do they be overcome? What do we do? How do we fight sin? And thankfully, we're not left to answer on our own. God has told us in the Scriptures. So what I want to do this morning is give you five steps that I think are biblical. You look at the Scriptures I share with you and judge that for yourself, but five steps that I think are biblical, the biblical approach to battling sin. This approach in the Bible is called the fight of faith. Look at what Paul says to Timothy in chapter 6, verse 12. He tells Timothy, fight the good fight of the faith. That's what Paul's talking about here. So what I want to do this morning is lay out five steps that are involved in, in the fight of faith. And I want to take a specific example and kind of use this example the whole way through so that we can get really tangible. Maybe you have a more pressing example you can use, but for us here, let's talk about jealousy as an example. Let's say that this week you're one day just really feeling kind of blah, kind of empty, no life, no excitement, no passion, no joy, there's nothing going on in your life, and you're talking to your neighbor. And your neighbor is just going on and on about this amazing vacation they're going to take in two days. And they describe this incredible vacation. And, and, and as you're listening to them, you're thinking, that's what I need. I mean, look at how empty my heart is. I need a vacation like that. If I had that, I'd have some life, I'd have some passion, I'd have some excitement, and you find yourself feeling jealous about this vacation that they're going to be going on. Now, we know jealousy is wrong. The Bible says don't be jealous, but there you are feeling your jealousy rise. So the question is, what should you do? How do you fight that? Five steps to fight the fight of faith. The first step is, understand the root 
cause of this temptation, this sin, this disobedience you're involved in. Understand what is the root cause. So let's apply this to jealousy. If you're jealous over your neighbor's vacation, what's the root cause of that jealousy? What is it? The answer is unbelief. It's unbelief. That's the root cause. Thank you. Okay. Why? Let me tell you a little story. I left my sermon notes at home this morning. <laughs> but the visual team had another copy of them. Praise God. But it's on the front and back. I'm thinking, wait, this is page three. Okay. <laughs> when we're tempted with the sin of jealousy, what is the root cause? So we can think of a lot of different things. Is it that I'm not very spiritual? Is it that I just had a lot of stress in my life? Is it maybe some like childhood trauma or difficulty that I had? And the Bible would say all of those could play some role, but none of those are the root cause. And it's really important to understand the root cause. When I was growing up, one of my jobs was to pull weeds in the backyard. And my mother would always remind me, now pull the weeds up by the roots. If you don't get the roots, they're going to grow right back. So it's crucial to get the root cause. So what is the root cause of our sins and temptations, and lack of obedience. All through the Bible, the answer that's given is that the root cause is our unbelief. Our unbelief. There's a problem in our faith. It's not that we're no longer trusting that Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sins. It's not that we're not trusting that Jesus rose from the dead or that he's the Son of God. We're trusting all those things. But there's some promise that God has given to us through Jesus that we're not believing. We're not believing a promise. The problem is unbelief. That's the root cause. Now, let me give you two scriptures to back that up. First of all, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16. See if this helps you see this. It's an amazing, encouraging verse that Paul gives. He's talking about the armor of God, and he says in verse 16, In all circumstances, all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, believing with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. So temptations are described as flaming darts that Satan is firing against us. And notice that faith extinguishes how many of those flaming darts? All of them. How many? Thank you. Every single one will be extinguished by faith. Now remember what our definition of faith is. Faith means trusting all that God promises to be to us in Christ Jesus. Faith is always looking to God's promises in Christ. So think about it. If a flaming dart hits you, boom, it's extinguished because of your faith. Another flaming dart hits you, boom, and goes out, it's because of your faith. The third one hits you, goes out, it's because of your faith. But what if a flaming dart hits you and just keeps burning? That jealousy is growing and burning. What's the problem? Your faith. There's a problem in your belief. Because if you had faith like you should, that flaming dart would have been extinguished. Do you see that? So it all comes down to faith, to belief. That's the root cause of every temptation, every sin. Here's another scripture. 2 Peter 1.4. We've been looking at this through this series on living by faith. 2 Peter 1.4. 
God has granted to us His precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. So God gives us His promises because they will free us from sin's desires. What does He do to free us from sin's desires? Gives us His promises. Okay? So when sin's desires are growing in me, when I've got corruption from sinful desires increasing in me, it's because I'm not trusting the promises God has given me. Do you see that? Let's try that again. How does God free us from sinful desires? By giving us His promises. If I'm not being freed, but I'm becoming enslaved to sinful desires, what's the problem? I'm not trusting some of the promises that God has given me. Because if I was trusting those promises, I'd be being freed from those sinful desires. Are we clear? What's the root cause? Not believing in, trusting in God's promises. Now let's apply that to jealousy. You're jealous about your neighbor's amazing vacation. How is the root cause of that jealousy unbelief? It's because when I'm jealous about someone's vacation, I'm not trusting Jesus' promise in John 15, verse 11. Look at John 15, 11. This is an amazing promise that Jesus gives. He says, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy, Jesus' joy, Jesus' joy in the Father, Jesus had joy in the Father. So these things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So Jesus is saying that his, his words in John 15, what he'd spoken in John 15, and what's taught about him all through the Bible, will fill your heart with joy. That's where full joy is going to come from for you and for every human being. That's where full joy comes from. But now, if you're jealous about your neighbor's vacation, you're thinking, that's what's going to give me full joy, right? Jesus says, full joy is found in who I am as revealed in my words, and you're saying, nope, that vacation's what I need to have fullness of joy. That's why you're jealous. You're not trusting the promise of John chapter 15. At that moment, you're not believing John 15, 11. Now, it's not that all your belief is gone. Like I said earlier, you're still trusting that Jesus died to pay for your sins. You're trusting he rose from the dead. You're trusting he's the Son of God. Yes, you are, but you're not trusting Jesus' promise that his words, who he is, is what will fill you with joy. You're saying, nope, that vacation, and that's why you're feeling the jealousy. Do you see that? That's the root cause. And that's why this fight is called the fight of faith. Because I need to fight to regain my faith in John 15, 11 and other promises that teach the same truth. So that's the first step. Understand the root cause of that temptation, that sin, that lack of motivation, that disobedience. The root cause is unbelief. There's some promise or promises that I'm not believing in, that I'm not trusting. That's the first step. Second step, I love this. What do you do next? Turn to Jesus as you are, confess your sin to him, 
and ask for your help. Don't make the mistake of thinking that you need to overcome your sin first before you can come to Jesus. No, 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 no. The only way you can overcome your sin is by coming to Jesus. You cannot overcome sin on your own. Try it. You can't. We have to come to him. And and even though jealousy in my heart is sin, I can come to him with that sin in my heart, saying, Jesus, look at this, forgive me, please, because I'm trusting his shed blood on the cross, like we celebrated in communion today. I'm trusting his sinless righteousness is covering me. So he, God the Father, welcoming me with open arms and promising to give me everything I need as I draw near to be able to fight off this sin. So turn to Jesus just as you are. Ask him to forgive you through the cross. Thank him for his forgiveness. And then ask him to help you be stronger in your believing. Ask him to strengthen your faith. And he will. Do you know that you can ask Jesus to strengthen your faith? Don't ever get discouraged thinking, I, I just don't have very strong faith. I mean, look at me, it's just weak. And then don't ever stay there. Yes, we all have times, many times when our faith is weak. I do, you do, we all do. And Jesus says, come, me, come to me and ask me for help. So ask Jesus for help. Look at Mark chapter 9, verse 24. Very important verse to learn. A man comes to Jesus with a horribly oppressed, terrorized son. A demon is oppressing his son. And this man is not strong in faith. And look at what we read in Mark chapter 9, verse 24. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said to Jesus, I believe, help my unbelief. And Jesus answered this prayer and strengthened his faith. And he will answer your prayer when you say, I believe, help my unbelief. He will help your unbelief. Then also ask him to show you what promises could be helpful and so on. But focus on coming to him as you are, confessing your sin, receiving forgiveness, and asking him, strengthen my faith. So that's the second step. Third step. Find promises in the Bible that will help you. Find promises in the Bible that deal with your unbelief. Now, to help you with this, we've put together a little pamphlet called A Promise for Every Problem Battle Guide. And it's a little 8.5 by 11 folded in half or A4 folded in half. You can pick them out on the table on the way out, but we list temptations that we face in one column and then promises that will help deal with those temptations in the next call. So what promise would help you overcome jealousy? Remember, when you're jealous about what somebody else has, you're thinking, that's what I need to have joy and fullness. I need that to really be full in joy. And so just as we saw in John 15, 11, though, Jesus says, no, I'm what you need to be filled with joy. My words, who I am, will fill you with joy. You're trusting a lie if you think vacations will fill you with joy. Vacations are fine, right? We all love vacations, but they will never fill you with joy. You know that. They're great, but they will not fill you with joy. Only Jesus Christ can fill you with joy now and forever. So let's read that promise again just so that you see how that's what Jesus is saying. John 15, 11, these things I have spoken to you, 
that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full through thinking about what I've spoken to you, thinking about who I am, how I'm described in the scriptures, who I am, my joy will be in you and your joy will be full. So it's not vacations that will make your joy full. Jesus will make your joy full. So this promise directly speaks to your unbelief. Do you see that? Directly gets into the ring with your unbelief, right? One, one more promise that will help you on this topic of jealousy. John 6, 35. One of my favorite promises. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. We all have heart hungers and heart thirsts for joy, security, excitement, pleasure, life. We all have heart hungers and thirsts. And Jesus promises that if you will come to Him and believe in Him, He will satisfy all your heart hungers and thirsts. Every time you come, He'll satisfy you again and again and again. And it's not that Jesus satisfies us with earthly comforts or prosperity. He might give those, but He doesn't promise them, and those won't satisfy you and fill you anyway. Those will not satisfy you. So what does Jesus satisfy us with? It's Himself. He says, I am the bread of life. Not that I will give you the bread of life. I am the bread of life. It's the person of Jesus Christ Himself. Jesus' presence. Jesus' love. Jesus' glory. It's Jesus himself who is our all-satisfying treasure. Now, can you see that when you're feeling jealous, you're not trusting this promise of John 6.35? Can you see that? You're not believing that your joy will be found as you come to Jesus and as you believe in him. You're not believing that he will satisfy all your heart hungers and thirsts. You're thinking that vacation is what's going to satisfy my heart hungers and thirsts. But that's wrong. That vacation will not satisfy your heart hungers and thirsts. Jesus Christ will. So John 15, 11 and John 6, 35 are powerful promises that go head to head with your unbelief. Find promises that just like go straight up, like start Get in the ring, okay? Promises versus your unbelief. That's how it goes. Okay, then fourth. Think and pray over these promises. Okay, look again at John 6.35. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So you want to think and pray over this promise. You're coming to Jesus, and you want to believe in this promise. And so you're struggling to believe it. You're thinking that vacation is what's going to really satisfy you. But you know what Jesus says? He says he, he himself will. So you say, you think about this. You preach it to yourself. You're praying. Jesus, strengthen my faith. Help me to see how this is true. Help me to feel how this is true. Would you come and help me right now? So you're asking him to help you believe this. And then 
Look up other verses which show you who Jesus is. Look up other verses which help you see more about how Jesus is the bread of life. So I just wrote down a couple that I've found helpful recently. Like Hebrews 1.3. He is the radiance of the glory of God. I mean, think about who God is, right? Has always been with no beginning, sovereign over everything, full of joy in the fellowship of the Trinity, and Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God. So when you see Jesus, you are seeing God. Oh, that's glorious to think about. And then look at John 20, 30, and 31. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, in the Gospel of John. But these signs are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name, joy, peace, life in his name by believing. Now, what I love about this verse is that the signs that Jesus did in John's gospel were done and were written to help us believe. We need help believing. None of us here is always strong in faith. We need help in believing, and Jesus did the signs that he did, and John wrote those exact signs that he did as described in John's gospel to help us believe. These are written that you may believe. So think of Jesus' signs in John's gospel, like turning 180 gallons. That's Sorry, I don't, I don't know what liters are, but a lot more liters, okay? A lot of water into the best wine ever. That's what Jesus did. All right, I love the picture where Jesus, who has been crucified, he's been killed, but now he's alive, and he's standing before doubting Thomas. Remember what he says? Thomas, touch this scar in my hand. Touch it. Here, here. Touch this scar in my side, Thomas. See, Thomas, and believe. Jesus loves to help us when we are struggling to believe. One more scripture that will just help us to see how Jesus is the bread of life. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6. This is so encouraging. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. This is a quote from Genesis chapter 1, where everything's dark, no light yet, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God can do the exact same thing in our hearts. When your heart is feeling totally dark, no sense of the light of the glory of Jesus Christ, God can say, let there be light, and boom, light shining in your heart. The glory of Jesus, you're seeing, you're feeling, you're enjoying, you're loving. It's a miracle. You can't make that happen. But he can make that happen, and he does, day after day after day, again and again and again. That's what he will do for us. So the root cause of jealousy is unbelief. I'm not trusting that Jesus is the bread of life, and that if I come to him and if I believe in him, I will never hunger, I will never thirst. I'm not trusting that. I'm believing the lie that vacation is where fullness of joy is found. So you find a promise that exposes that lie, that counters that lie, like John 15, 11 and John 6, 35, which remind you that fullness of joy is only found in Jesus. 
and you think and pray over these promises, and you look at other scriptures about who Jesus is until your heart changes. And that's the fifth step, the fifth and last step. Continue until your faith is strengthened and your heart is satisfied in Christ. Look at what Paul says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 5. Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? He's explaining here what we do to receive a greater work of the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit loves to come to us and strengthen our faith and make Jesus real to us in our lives. The Holy Spirit loves to do that. So how does God supply us with the Holy Spirit? It's not by works of the law. That's not how. It's not by going out and trying to obey enough until that happens. It's not how you do it. It's by hearing with faith, Galatians 3.5 says. As we hear God's promises, fight to believe them, thinking over them, praying over them, asking for God's help, persisting in this, God will give us a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Our faith will strengthen. We'll see this is true. John 6.35 is true. Jesus is the, the bread of life. And as a result, our faith will be strengthened. God will pour his love into our hearts. We will experience and see, feel, taste the glory of Jesus Christ. And we will experience fullness of joy because he is the bread of life. He is fullness of joy. And now think about it. There you are. You've been fighting the fight of faith. You're praying and as you're beholding Jesus in the Scriptures, as you're asking God to strengthen your faith, and God stirs, pours out even more of the work of the Holy Spirit in your heart, your faith is rising, you're seeing Jesus, you're worshiping Jesus, you're loving Jesus, your heart hungers are satisfied, your heart thirsts are satisfied. What's happened to your jealousy about that vacation? It's gone. It's gone. Not because you gritted your teeth so hard and tried not to feel jealousy, but because you turned to Christ and said, you are what's fullness of joy. Fill me. Meet me. Help me. And he always will, and when he does, your jealousy over the vacation will disappear. Now, I want to give you an illustration of this. So here we go. This is the Bible, for the sake of the illustration. Okay. And let's say that my heart is represented by this plate, which has nothing on it, okay? Nothing on this plate, but plates are meant to hold food, right? And there's nothing in this plate, so this is my heart, and, and I'm hungry. I'm feeling blah, I'm feeling empty, I'm wanting life, I'm wanting some excitement, I'm wanting some joy, I'm wanting some security, some meaning. I want life. Okay, this is my heart right now. Now, if that's my heart right now, and here's this other person over here, and they have this vacation they're talking about, okay? That's naan, that's bread. Which it's just, I love that stuff, okay? Now, if I'm here with my empty, hungry heart, and I'm seeing this person talking about this vacation they're having, what am I going to feel? Jealous. I want that. I need, I need that to be full. 
That's what I, I need that. I mean, look at that. This is, and you're going to feel jealous. I want what they've got, right? That's what's going on when you're feeling jealous. Now, let's think about this some more. Every time we're tempted to sin, that's what's going on. It's that we've got heart hungers because we're not feeling much of Jesus' presence, Jesus' love, Jesus' nearness. We're not feeling much of that. And something in the world looks like it's going to bring us the joy we're looking for, whether it's a vacation or looking at something on the internet I shouldn't be looking at, right? Or gossiping about people. It's all the same thing. It's like, that's going to be cool. That's going to be exciting. That's going to be just really make, you know, make you feel alive if you do that. That's how temptation works. You're hungry and you see something out there that, well, that would satisfy me. That's how temptation works. Now, usually then, we try to fight sin the wrong way, don't we? Here we are with our empty plate, okay? Feeling heart hungers. There it is. And here's my neighbor's plate with this amazing vacation that they're going to be going on. And I'm feeling jealous. And so I, I think, okay, I, Christians shouldn't feel jealous. I should stop feeling jealous. Now, stop it. Just stop it. Okay, stop that. Just, just, okay, that's what we try to do, and it doesn't work. Are we clear on that point? It doesn't work. What we need to do is fight the fight of faith. Now, how does that work? It, it starts by remembering the root cause of my sin and temptation is unbelief. After all, my plate is empty. My heart is hungry. Jesus says, whoever comes to me and believes in me will never hunger or thirst. Well, I'm, I'm hungering and thirsting because I'm not coming to him and I'm not believing him. The problem is my unbelief. I've not been pressing in with that promise, trusting Jesus to fill me, to strengthen me, to comfort me, to secure me, to satisfy me. That's why my heart's empty. Unbelief is why I'm jealous about this bread over here, this vacation. Unbelief. So what can I do? I need to turn to Jesus just as I am. Jesus, I'm empty. Forgive me. I haven't been seeking you. I haven't been trusting you. Cleanse me. Wash me. And Jesus, would you strengthen my faith? Would you restore my faith? And when we come to him in that way, he always will. He always will. So what do I do then? I need to turn to Jesus confess my unbelief, ask for his help, and then find promises in the Bible that will attack my unbelief. Find promises in the Bible that will attack my unbelief. So let's let this basket represent my... Anybody who's here so you can all see this, okay. This is my heart, okay, and this is this other person's over here. Here's me right here. And this is the Bible, don't forget that. So, for example... Like John 15, 11. Let's just take, here's some John 15, 11, that his words will fill me with his joy. So boom, that's, that's good news right there. And then I got John 6, 35. Let's take some more here, a couple more. John 6, 35, he is the bread of life. Okay, if I come to him, I will never hunger. If I believe in him, I will never thirst anymore. John 6, 35. And then Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2 he is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his nature. That's amazing. And then John 20, 30, and 31, I love this, that he helps us when we're unbelieving, like doubting Thomas. Touch, see, believe. That's our Jesus. He helps us when we're unbelieving. That's great news for me. 
And then 2 Corinthians 4, 6, God can come when my heart is fully dark and he can shine the light of Jesus' glory in my heart just as powerfully as on that creation day. Let there be light. Boom, and there was light. This is who our Jesus is. Okay, not only that, Psalm 1611, another one of my favorite verses, in God's presence there is fullness of joy and pleasures forever. John 16, chapter 11. That's where fullness of joy is found. Psalm 1611. Psalm 23, 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That's awesome, isn't it? He's your shepherd. You come to him, you seek him, you will never want. Because he'll meet you. Psalm chapter 4, verse 7. Another one. You give me more joy than they have when their grain and wine abound. Isn't that amazing? Oh, we got some more. Do we? Uh, that's right. No, I, I've got it. I just made a list of all the things. We have forgiveness of sins in Jesus. He promises to guide us in our every decision. He promises to comfort us when we're struggling, right? He promises to raise us from the dead, right? And he promises to give us joy in him that's never-ending and all-satisfying forever. It's all my bread. There it is. Okay, now, here you are. Okay, this is the Bible. Let's keep, we, we love the Bible. I'm going to put it down here right now. So here's, here's Jesus Christ. Here's all that I have in Christ. Now, let me just ask you, when, when you have this, okay, there you are, how jealous are you going to be of this? Do you see how that works? Okay, I'm not, I'm not playing games. This is exactly how it works. This is how you fight sin, friends. This is awesome. This is how Jesus has told us to fight sin. He said, see who I am. He said, you're blind to me. See who I am. So do you see how much more powerful this is than having an empty place of thinking, I shouldn't be jealous. I shouldn't be jealous. I shouldn't be jealous. No, but now there's one more thing. It's not enough just to, just to see who Jesus is. <laughs> ah. Mm. Okay, we ought to eat. Okay? I'm not going to be very hungry when I get through this, all right? You got that? So I've got to think about these truths of who Jesus is and pray over them and meditate upon them and think about them because he will feed my soul as I do that. Some of you maybe just know the truths about Jesus and you're not feeding on them. You're not enjoying them. You're not meeting him in those truths. This is crucial. So, this is how you fight sin, Grace Church. Don't try to fight sin just by, I'm hungry, but I shouldn't feel jealous. The problem is, you're hungry. And Jesus promises that he is the bread of life. And that when you come to him, you will not hunger. And when you believe in him, you will never thirst. So the Christian life means coming to Jesus again and again. Because hunger's always coming, up and down, right? Jesus, help me, meet me, open up the Bible, Look at who he is as the bread of life, and then meet him in these truths. Trust him in these truths, and fight to trust all the promises that he has for you. Your heart will be filled, and you will be freed from jealousy or whatever other, whatever other sin it might be that you're battling. Let's stand. I want to pray for us. It is amazing how you've called us to fight sin, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. 
You are our all-satisfying treasure. Sin's pleasures can never compete. Like sin's little pieces of bread can never compete with the massive pile of bread that you are, Lord Jesus Christ. So help us to fight the fight of faith, to see what promises we're not trusting, to set our heart on those promises, to trust Him, to see all that you are, Jesus Christ, and to be filled again and again and again. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.